Coming up on Verse Course Verse, sometimes there's an artist, an artist that you begin to fight with your friends about who is the biggest fan. That's when you know it's a very good artist. We're going to fight over one of them next. Welcome to Verse Course Verse episode 111. I am DL. With me is Rachel. When the pawn hits the conflicts, he thinks like a king, but he knows, <laughs> throws the blows. I'm not going to say the whole thing. Uh, Rachel, how you doing? Good. Are we going to fight? Yeah. No, I don't think so. So the last episode that I did with somebody was Evil, where we basically just gushed over Moontooth for two hours together. <laughs> yeah. I think think that we're headed to the same okay. vicinity here now. yesterday when you said, hot take, she's not that talented, mm-hmm. I was like, do I have enough time to drive to his house to burn it down and drive back before tomorrow at noon? That's as they say, trying to get a rise out of oh, you is fair. what that is. Okay. It worked. There's not going to be a lot of hiding <laughs> behind anything for this okay. episode. We both are very, very much in love with the artist we're going to talk about today. <sighs> Good. Maybe I will use this episode to try to convince you to take one specific piece of art down and maybe put one up of this current artist instead. You know, I was the, I've been thinking that as I've been studying. <laughs> and then I was realizing I just have ladies. I mean, does that? Vocalists. Well, you're very, you like the female artists like more than the males. You have new art besides your amazing Angie painting that right. we've talked about on the pod. What's the other one over there? It's my friend Haley. Haley Williams, right? Yep. It looks kind of, it looks like video game art. A little bit. And it also doesn't look like Haley. I think maybe I just don't know the versions of Haley Williams because you know, that doesn't look like Haley Williams to me. I mean, Haley usually looks like a little bit longer hair with bangs. Yes. She's not as, you know, well known as other artists on the wall, but I feel like Nobody has noticed her right off the bat. Her hair was like that when she was famous back in the 2000s, right? I think the earliest iteration of Haley was orange with bangs, a little bit longer. And then the most recent one is also that way, as she was in August. But this is a... I have my new art finally on the way by my cousin. I'm very excited to get it. Once I get it, I'll post some stuff about it. The same one that posted the, or that painted the Lane Staley? Yeah. We're not here to talk about David Bowie. We're here to talk about somebody else uh, that we both like quite a bit in Fiona Apple. Where to even start with her? Um, We'll start with Rachel because Mm -hmm. in these band dissections, we take turns picking who to do. You have been Fiona Apple every single time we've tried a band dissection to which I've been like, hey, maybe maybe let's wait a tick. (laughs) Okay. Maybe we're not ready for Fiona, right? I believe your words were Let's not blow our load too early. Yeah, exactly. I see this as one of the bigger challenges, one of the harder dissections that I've tried to do thus far. How? So I always like to figure out a way to approach an episode. There's got to be a story there. There's got to be something that I need to do to to speak to the artist or the band or whatever. I had a really hard time with this one for reasons I'll go into when we actually start deep diving into it. But It wasn't until about three nights ago where it hit me. I was like, you know what? This is actually going to go really well if I just do this. Hmm. That this is what I'm going to do. (laughs) Uh, What about you? Did you have fun studying for this? I did. I went into a lot of interviews. There was a really poorly but great made uh, documentary that I found on YouTube. Oh. Um, A lot of interviews, a lot of live performances, which is stuff that I've never dug into. Her albums, I feel like it was a lot of review for me. Yeah. Even digging into her life, I feel like I knew most things. Yeah. But uh, as far as live performances and interviews and things, it was really interesting to get more of a grasp on who she is as a person and her opinion on on music and what she does. Yeah. There's, she's just such an interesting person person in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this. Any surprises? Any I will tell you that I came into this thinking I knew what my favorite songs are going to be, what my albums are going to be ranked as, and I got to say I'm a little bit surprised at where I ended up. I don't know that I got too many surprises as far as favorites. I started with a list of about 20, narrowed it down. Mm-hmm. Something that was a little interesting to me is because I had heard a lot when I was younger about how she was as a person and it wasn't very affable. It wasn't very, I love giving interviews. However, when I watched the interviews, she was actually good at them. It's not like she was 
quiet or didn't know what to say or was an asshole to the people she was interviewing. She was nice. She smiled. She laughed. She answered questions. Yes. And so in that way, I was kind of surprised because that's not the person that I had heard she was. I very much agree with that. We'll touch on that more today as well. From what you can already tell, this wasn't a big have to listen to a bunch of albums and stuff. Basically, Rachel and I already very much know Fiona Apple. When did you start getting into her? From the jump. I owned Tidal as a kid. I owned When the Pawn. Very much from the very beginning. I loved Tidal. I loved the videos and the songs that came out of that. So big fan from the start. Was there any part of this study-wise that was daunting or hard or was it just all fun? I don't think anything was daunting. If anything, the two newer albums I did not know like the back of my hand, whereas the first three I did. Oh. So trying to listen and listen and listen and dissect and understand where the other ones I've had, you know, 20 years. Mm -hmm. I loved it. I love her as an artist. So it wasn't anything that I didn't want to do. And there wasn't anything... There's always, you know, sex and drugs, but it wasn't like an Amy Winehouse level where I just got sad studying. So yeah. it was just the normal amount of drugs. God bless her. It sounds like we're going to have a lot of fun just agreeing for once. That's going to be fun. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe there'll be a few things here and there. We'll see. We got to get to the most important part of the night, though. Day. It is Sunday day. <laughs> Rachel has decided to take away my Friday or Saturday night fun of talking Fiona Apple and throwing in a Sunday day. What are you drinking on this day that is Sunday? First of all, I gave you Saturday and Sunday so you could go party with all your friends. No, 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 no. no. Tomato, tomato. Um, <laughs> I went into the cooler at Albertsons. So I just grabbed this Monaco cocktail. They have a bunch of like single white claws and stuff, but I really do like, I mm -hmm. like the seltzers that have a lot of sugar in them. The ones that taste like soda. Not the ones that taste like seltzer okay. water. I think because the can was darker, it made me think maybe there's more sugar in it. It's not white. So this is mango <laughs> peach, a premium mixed drink made with vodka, natural flavor, and certified colors. Oh my God. I didn't read that part. Certified it's colors. Vodka. Let's see how it tastes. What percentage alcohol is it? This is 9%. <laughs> also, there was a Four loco in there, but I was like, no, nah, it's not. There's not four of us tonight. Yeah, that's true. We should do Four locos together. I do it in the first episode of every season. Oh Just my saying. God. Just putting it out there. She loves it. If you could see her face, she ah, loves it. I don't know how to... What about it is so bad? It tastes like lighter fluid, but also cough syrup. Oh. So if you mix those mm. two things together. What are you drinking today? I'm drinking coffee. I've got a nice, simple pour over coffee with a little bit of bourbon in it. Oh, okay. A little Gentleman Jack. Oh. Yeah, I've got a lot of my little singles bottles. We really have to start working in the drinking games. I don't want to do it today because it's Sunday. Why not? Well, I have a personal rule. The David I used to know. David, you used to know you should be dead. So <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> <laughs> so I do have a personal rule, unless it's work-related, which I guess this, this is work -related. in a little bit of a way is. I don't drink unless it's Friday or Saturday night, and I usually have to pick one or the other. So did you not drink on Friday or Saturday of this week? I drank on Friday. So this is your Saturday? Yeah. Thanks a lot, Rachel. Ruining my life one week at a time. <laughs> <laughs> we have a lot, a lot to cover. We got to get to this. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Bro, I'm going to get wasted so fast on this. I'm okay with that. But what do I know? I'm not father of the year. We are back. Fiona Apple. The one, the only. Where do we even start? At the top of the outline. She was born in New York City. Her folks met at, they were both cast in a Broadway show and met in that. Her dad was an actor. Her mom was, her mom was a singer. I know that she put Fiona into piano very young, but what was her dad's name? Brandon Margot? Brandon I don't know how do you pronounce Maggart? that. I think it's Maggart, but I'm not positive. Well, he was a theater dude. Yeah, he was an actor. Big time in theater. She has, you know, I would akin her to like Beck, kind of the same. Parents were very, very big in the artsy fartsy community. And she grew up around all that stuff. And they met when they were both cast in applause on Broadway. And then they had Fiona in 1977, 45 years old, not so far off in age from me. If she ever decides to <laughs> settle down and get married, just saying. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I couldn't handle that. No. That'd be, could you imagine being with an artist like this? No. How exhausting it would be? No. Holy God. 
Somebody that can write songs that well, that would be a consistent fear of what happens when she writes a song about me and then I hear it and then it's terrifying. Well, outside of that, I can't imagine being with somebody with that much talent. Like you would just feel like a complete piece of shit all the time. Yeah, it's true. So I've watched interviews with her. She's actually very charming yes. and likable, which is, you're right. That's not what the narrative was mm-hmm. in the 90s and the 2000s, which really fucking sucks. And I think we are now at a day and age, we're kind of jumping ahead. I don't care. Let's just talk. Society has changed a lot in viewing stronger, more independent women yeah. as strong, independent women instead of bitches. Right. And I think that is a lot of what she was dealing with, right? Sure. Her speech that she had when she won her Grammy and her whole fuck being famous thing. Mm -hmm. So let's just start with early career, extremely young, writes these very adult songs at a very young age. Mm -hmm. Her big video criminal is a very sultry, adulty, sexual. I don't know. What words would you use to her thoughts on that music video? Not ashamed i think that what her goals were with that video and what people perceived it to be were very different i think her being an adult but still being so young and her stripping off clothes during the video came off very sexual but i don't think that that's what she meant but that's absolutely what everybody that watched the video gleaned from it I think that's where one of my big struggles for the beginning of her, when she started being viewed as more of a a negative person, I was confused with that video. I was like, well, why did you make that video? Because it is very sexual, but I think you're right. And the more you learn about her, the more you Mm -hmm. realize that artistically, I don't think that that's what she was going for. That's where a lot of her, I'm guessing, her perceived anger came from, Mm -hmm. is that she was trying to put out this art way ahead of its time. And people just taking it completely different because, you know, at the same time you have bubblegum pop stars and she's just in that category because she is a solo woman artist Mm -hmm. to a degree. Now, granted, she's a lot harder, but she's not. You have Alanis at the same time who was like straight up angry. And it wasn't as I want to cover Alanis sometimes, so I don't want to bash on Alanis, but it wasn't as like straight up art. You're touching on something that I was going to touch on. So I'm actually very, I'm very happy that you're doing this. (laughs) So Jagged Little Pill came out, what, a year, half a year before Tidal? Did you know there's a musical called Jagged Little Pill by Diablo Cody? Yeah, I did because of my research for this, uh, 95. Oh, I did. So yeah. Is when Jagged Little Pill came out? Yes. Jagged Little Pill came out and then title came out July of 96. Okay. June. So a year. It it was almost a A year year. exactly. Right. Jagged Little Pill comes out and to me, you can do a here's where you're wrong. Okay. It is a very angsty, I will use the word immature. Here's the thing about Jagged Little Pill. Everybody owned Jagged Little Pill. Everybody loved Jagged Little Pill. I own Jagged Little Pill. All my friends listen to Jagged Little Pill. But there was a part of me even then, back then, at that age, that was a little bit embarrassed to even be listening to it. That it was like, this is kind of silly. Mm -hmm. And then a year later, you have a younger Fiona Apple come out with, okay, this is how a real artist expresses emotion. And then you have to add, it's even worse than you think it is, because you have to add in that Jagged Little Pill was Alanis Morissette's third album. So it's not like she didn't have time to mature herself a Mm -hmm. little bit. She's three years older. And then you have Fiona's album. She's three years younger, two years younger, I guess, than if you want to do the weird math on that. But also, this is her first album title is, and you have songs that were written when she was 15 years old and 16 years old. So she has yeah. this maturity like 10 years ahead of Alanis Morissette. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I remember the most the first time I heard Fiona Apple yeah. was this is such mature adult mm-hmm. version of an artist. Um, this, the way that she so clearly expressed her emotions, Mm -hmm. not only through the lyrics, which are just beyond what anybody else was writing at that time, but also the actual music, the piano, the musicians she was having on her bands, the choices that she was making in her songs were just so much more than the very, very simple power chord shit that was Mm -hmm. big at the time. Yeah. As I was reviewing each and every song is obviously she's very musically talented at the piano, you can 
feel her moving while she's playing the piano, while the music's going. It's not like she's just mm-hmm. playing notes. She's moving and she's feeling, and you can feel that through the notes as she's playing it. And there's so much of that, even this early on when she's 19 years old, when this was put out. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of the beginning of her early career. I mean, there's not much more to it. We can talk about her growing up and mm-hmm. her influences are very obvious to me. She yeah. was very into the old jazz musicians, mm-hmm. the the 70s blues stuff. She loved Ella and Billy. People that somebody that writes stuff like her is going to love. Right. She was going back and forth from New York City to LA. So she was a lot of art in her life yeah. and a lot of confusion, a lot of put in probably a lot of positions where you have to be an adult way before you're supposed to, um, including, I don't know, do we want to touch on the thing that happened? I mean, it happened. I mean, it happened. So basically like the worst thing that can happen to a woman happened to Fiona Apple when she was 12. uh, How old? When she was 12 years old. She was 12 years old. Yeah. It feels like the work of somebody who is processing that rather than just being angry at that. Not that she's not angry at that and she wasn't angry at that, but it was more like working through the feelings of having been in that situation and having that happened. I think it was just more of the building of her as a person because in interviews, she said a lot that she didn't... Mm. She didn't really write about that until like her later albums. Right. I don't remember what the quote is, but it was something like that is just such a boring thing for me to write about. That's something that I live with every day. So I don't, I just don't want to write about that. That led to a lot of other issues that she had for a long time that she was pretty outspoken about, I think in a Mm -hmm. very cool way is, you know, like she ended up with an eating disorder, not because all of the attractive people are skinny, but to, she literally wanted to make herself less attractive So Mm -hmm. in her head, it's like, now that won't happen to me again, sort of thing. Like she had a lot of mental struggles, understandably so. Well, and she also talked about OCD and other things that she dealt with. I don't know. She dealt with a lot of shit. Yeah. That's what makes good music, unfortunately. But then also, again, just being ahead of her time, only in the last five or seven years, I think, have people even been going, oh, mental issues. These are a thing that we should probably deal with. And she has been outspoken from the jump about everything that she's dealt with, mental issues, substance abuse, everything. And it's incredibly refreshing and, again, very much ahead of its time. Let's touch on this now. You already said it, and it's very true. I felt the exact same way. Started to research for this. Was actually kind of postponing watching interviews and stuff like that Mm -hmm. because I was kind of I was expecting a lot of cringe yeah uh, the uncomfortable I'm not answering that type of stuff Mm -hmm. she's not like that at all no she's charming she loves talking about her music Mm -hmm. I will say almost to (laughs) I don't want to say to her detriment yeah but after about two times of her talking about what songs are about Mm -hmm. I didn't want to hear it anymore yeah I have these built as these almost supernatural masterpieces in my head. And then Mm -hmm. she's like, oh yeah, this song's about when I hid my buddy's weed and we got away (laughs) with it in an airport. It's like, wait, what? Really? No. What the fuck? Existential (laughs) crisis. (laughs) Exactly. So about her being interviewed. Oh, she had also said in something that she really likes performing. And that struck me as funny because with some other artists that we've talked about, like they like creating the art, but as far as like, lather, rinse, repeat with performing their songs over and over again. They're like, I don't want to fucking tour. But she's like, I love touring. This is great. Let's get out and do it. Again, we had this narrative when we were younger of her just being this angsty bitch that hides in her dressing rooms and doesn't want to come out. And that is just not the case. No. And I do. It's unfortunately the whole, I'm not one that will usually, how do I say this? I think all people suck. Yes. But you do. <laughs> I do think, t- but typically I do think that when people are complaining about the way that certain famous people are treated, I get a little eye rolly. Uh-huh. Like, look, you're famous. Shut the fuck yeah. up. You're fine. You are a performer that makes millions of dollars. Shut up. Mm-hmm. This is not the case for her. She did not deserve really any of the criticism that she got. Right. It's hard to see how much it let her affect herself because I see two things in her interviews. I see, like I said, an incredibly charming and extremely intelligent person. Mm -hmm. I also see somebody that I could see being extremely fragile. There are those people that you hear talk 
and they're kind of letting themselves out a lot. And she reminds me of other people I've known in my life that are like, man, you're going to get fucking ran over a few times in this life. Yeah. There's something to say about being maybe too open and honest and too vulnerable. One of the clips of video that I saw was her sitting on the end of the stage with somebody, I don't know who it was, and talking to the audience and somebody was recording it on their phone. She said, you know what, Perez Hilton, you're not very nice. And I wish you would stop bullying me. <laughs> like, it really hurts my feelings. Perez Hilton is the tabloid dude in like the 2000s. That right. just like Early 2000s. over Fiona, uh, Britney Spears every day for like yeah. a year. Right? Well, if there was anything to pick apart about anyone, he would post it on his website. And it was really cruel. And it really was bullying. It wasn't, it wasn't even gossip. You know, the Inquirer, whatever trash newspaper magazines were around at the time it was just gross right now i'm more talking to the fact that she comes out with a what's the average an album every six seven years i mean yeah now it's the last one is there was eight years between the one before that i six years yeah 96 99 2005 2012 2020 and it's getting longer and longer so here's what's funny this is another thing her talking about people but then you hear elsewhere is she very recently had a comment i think she was on a podcast or she was talking in an interview and she when she realized she didn't want to be famous for sure, it was because she was at this dinner with like Quentin Tarantino and somebody else. Mm -hmm. And she was like, this is the most unsufferable, terrible thing I've ever been to in my life. But there's also an interview like from back in the nineties where Tarantino was fucking loved Fiona Apple and interviewed her about how brilliant she is. And that is a great conversation where they both. There was uh, one point where she was talking about her addiction She had a little bit of a Coke problem for a minute. And she was quoted as saying, every addict should get locked up in a private movie theater with Quentin Tarantino and Paul Thomas Anderson Paul Thomas Anderson. And they'll never want to do it again. (laughs) She said it was the the same thing. It was just like this pretentious, like they're just sitting there bragging about everything. And she's like, fuck me. Get me out of here. I don't want to be here anymore. But that's the sort of thing that I think people take that and they're like, oh, fuck her, man. Especially considering like Quentin Tarantino, he actually championed for her earlier in her career. But Mm -hmm. I think that's one of those things where if you ask Tarantino about about it he'd be like that's fucking hilarious that's there's a an area of you know you're really talented but you have to fucking brag and talk about it to a point of people around you being like shut the fuck i know your movies are great you're fantastic everybody blow each other this is great yeah you know? well i feel like anybody that has actually watched interviews with quentin tarantino yeah I get yeah. that feeling. I feel like after the amazement of 10 minutes in a dinner with him and hearing yeah. him after a while, it'd be like, even me, who's a nobody, would be like, fuck, man, shut the fuck up. <laughs> we just lost a Quentin Tarantino <laughs> like, listener. Yeah. Hey, I love Quentin Tarantino, but he's like... Say, what's your favorite movie? <sighs> fuck. I mean, it's got to be Pulp Fiction. It's yeah. got... But I like Reservoir Dogs... God, that's a hard... I really liked Once Upon a Time, even though that, that was... That was fantastic. thousand years fantastic. too long. I love the rewrite of the ending yes. of that. Made me, me real too. happy. Inglorious Bastards. Why, who doesn't want to watch Hitler mm. get his face oh. blown off? That's amazing. Right? That's a good See, one. See, we love Quentin Tarantino. Okay. We've won you back, everybody. <laughs> Zed's dead, baby. I do think that there is a lot of the whole society's negative view on a strong willed independent female it's all just because we all just we wish those songs were about us fiona why can't you be with us why don't you love (laughs) us this is a good thing but we've really jumped around a lot do you have specific influences from her music in your life can you think of specific times in your life where her music helped you or hurt you or i mean yeah title is 96 i was 13 ish when that came out that was perfect timing 13 and then 16 with Win the Pawn. Like those were my jams. Those were huge influences when I was in high school. Every boy emotion that I was feeling was intensified by listening to these albums. It was a very, very good. I'm trying to find a different. I'm trying not to bash on Alanis Morissette again. (laughs) (laughs) But man, when you have. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. I agree. You're the editor. So if bashing on Alanis Morissette takes you to a place to where what you want to say is said, you can just edit out the other stuff. Yeah, but I I definitely do want it to be a big part of this for me. I just think that there's a big juxtaposition 
I think it speaks a lot to what happens with fans because Jagged Little Pill sold way more. Oh, yeah. But Fiona Apple's cult following has remained massive. Yeah. Jagged Little Pill feels more of a everyone unisex album, whereas a lot of Fiona's maybe speaks a little bit more to women. That's maybe the the sales discrepancy, at least. You know, we do this a lot on the pod where we talk about how there's albums that just, they're not for me. Mm-hmm. The first one that you did when we talked about 1989, it had the cards stacked against it because I can't relate to almost anything that she's talking about. Yeah. But then you have a Fiona Apple who does title. I shouldn't be able to relate to a lot of that stuff, but I love it. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love it. I do think that there's something to be said for when your writing is impeccable, when it's incredible. It doesn't fucking matter what the content is about. People are still going to like it. And that's title to me. Is it really just title for you as far as influence or did it just kind of keep going? Oh, no. Like with the pawn, the same. Just a little bit older, but the same, same situation. That was on repeat as far as like it didn't age. I'm sure I listened to this well into college, which was a couple of years later. So... And I remember at the time buying it because I bought it with my money. It wasn't a, but like Mm -hmm. looking at the price, I think I paid like, which was kind of ludicrous at the time. I think it was like $17.99 or $18.99, 20 something years ago. That's kind of expensive. You were doing okay for yourself. Well, you know, living with your folks. Just The point was, is that I spent so much of my money on this because I was so excited about it and wanted it so much. Fiona was important enough to me as an artist who I remember pretty vividly anytime that her albums came out and I was listening to them a lot and stuff. Yeah, I do remember Tidal. I remember being super young and I do remember that young of an age comparing it and contrasting it to the other albums that were out and just thinking she was so far mm-hmm. ahead of her time. I remember when The Pawn came out was when I was most, I don't know what you want to call it, that was at an age where I was living to, but all I did was play music. All I wanted to do was play any instrument that I could get my hands on and and write anything that I could. I remember I I was real picky about what I liked to play on piano. I loved playing Mm -hmm. all the Win the Pond stuff. That was such a fucking blast to play. I remember the Extraordinary Machines album coming out. It's hard to pick specific things because the only one that I don't really remember much about when it came out was the Idler Wheel. Yeah, same. And I don't know... What? I was having a kid, so I think that's where I was at. Yeah, 2012. Where, where were you? I was drinking a lot. That's where <laughs> I was, pretty sure. It's a lot of drinking years for you. How do you look so young? It's going to hit. It's <laughs> going to be one of these days you're going to turn the Zoom on. You'll be like, oh, shit. We can talk about her lyrics. Are they okay? Yeah. Meh. Let's talk about her lyrics. Meh. I don't know if it was the first song of hers that I ever heard. It probably is. But the very first time that anybody heard Criminal, I've been a bad, bad girl. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. Whoa, what are what have we stumbled upon here? See, and I think I think that's another instance of like, it doesn't have to be sexual. I didn't take I don't take it as sexual. Oh, okay. no, I because I feel like people did. No, I more mean like, OK, I'm sorry, but I'm going to keep doing it. Let me think of what you hate Alanis what's Morissette. The first, Go. What's the first line of Isn't It Ironic? Something, something. <laughs> and then the opposite thing. Isn't it ironic? <laughs> um, An old man turned 98. He won the lottery and died the next day. That's fucking stupid line. <laughs> and then a year later, this girl comes out with, I've been a bad, bad girl. I've been careless with a delicate man. And it's a sad, sad world when a girl can break a boy just because she can. That's fucking, I don't think I'd heard yeah. a woman talk like that. Well, ever. And then there's, I know I like lyrics a lot, but being a person who likes books and words and things, it's not just something written. It's imagery. She's saying things to make you create these images in your mind, whereas these other lyrics are spelling it out for you it is a picture book it's not a novel i remember having the conversation with my aunt when this album came out i do i remember even her who she she's a really good writer she actually wrote i should show i'll ask her permission but she wrote a book about it's a fiction book but it's about her time when she was in a traveling ballet oh it's really fucking good but she i remember her reaction to titles like scary how young this girl is and she's writing yeah. this amazing it's fucking unreal and that's not even touching on the fucking music that she has behind it in criminal for example Mm -hmm. where 
the very beginning of the song, the bass kicks in and she's doing the low key rumble on the piano. It's, mm-hmm. it's frustrating how brilliant her choices are, especially when you hear her talk. Yeah. She is one of those people that she just doesn't, she doesn't sit down and try to write. Mm-hmm. She just wakes up one day and she's like, Oh, here's the ideas and she just starts well and that's one of the things that she's spoke about in interviews is that she doesn't write to write like she doesn't do it because it's her job or because somebody tells her to do it one of her albums she just wrote and then handed it in to epic and was like hey i did this album but i didn't want you breathing down my throat so yeah nothing is forced and that's what makes it one of the things that makes it so beautiful and so poetic and so much of actual art rather than a product. I mean, she's talked in an interview about how she doesn't even really necessarily think that she would do this for a living. Yeah. She wasn't one of those people that was like, I I have to do this or I'll die. Mm-hmm. I mean, this industry fucking sucks. It's yeah. not that fun. I like to perform, but I could see myself going to another profession. Yeah. Which is insane. <laughs> you talked about watching her live on some stuff. Mm-hmm. Have you ever have you ever seen her live? No. I haven't either. I have not. But man, she is something else, though. Um, She's not touring. I'm just looking. <laughs> I just want to know. Maybe she wants to be on a podcast. Maybe she wants to be on a podcast. I'm not she sure. She has free time. I don't know that we could. Could we do that? You've gotten people. I'm not saying literally like, can I get her? I'm saying, can we function being on a Zoom call with Fiona Apple? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. I seriously don't think I could do it. You're you're really, really good. Do you? Would you like to speak to that? Do you want to bury me? <laughs> I love music. Do you love music? Yeah. Live. Uh, I did watch a live version. I think it was David Letterman of Limp. Because I was trying to, when I was, not to give anything away, figure out my top five, gleaning down from my top 20. And that song is one with a lot of passion behind it. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to see her perform it live because I wanted it to be higher on my list. Yeah. Because I figured seeing it live would be obviously better than recording. She has a lot of them. She has a sessions that's really great. She did Sleep to Dream on Howard Stern in 97. That's fucking incredible. Ooh. The big one that stood out to me that I had never seen until this is her and John Bryan who did a lot of producing for her and they were really close for a long time. They did a version and I don't even know where it was of extraordinary machines. He's muting an acoustic guitar instead of the pluck bass that's usually happening and that happens in extraordinary machines. Yeah. It's him on a muted acoustic and her singing and that's it. It's fucking unbelievable. If you have not seen that to all you Fiona Apple lovers, go see that immediately. It's amazing. There was one that was really good now that I'm thinking of it. A video. It is a performance of I Know. And it was it was posted in 2013. And she definitely looks... Older. Older. I don't want to... Mm-hmm. Older. But she's just sitting on a couch with an old woman that nobody knows who she is in the comments. They're like grandma mom who knows and she's just sitting on the couch holding her hand and blake mills is playing the guitar and it's in like an apartment because you can hear like a lot of noise going on and people are moving around which is kind of unfortunate as far as the sound goes but it's so beautiful because it feels like she's singing for this woman but she's also not letting because you can hear people like the guy who's recording it going what the fuck like why are people just tell them to shut up and try to record this but she's so focused on performing this song for this woman beautiful acoustic look fiona's good i think that we are going to be talking a little more than we usually do on these dissections about each individual album Mm -hmm. so why don't we take a break and we will go through her discography one by one good luck to us we'll be right back are back let's talk about fiona album to album in 1996 after a a demo that she had handed out with never is a promise on it columbia the work group under columbia whatever you want to say picked up fiona and they did title they worked on it in sony studios in la and hollywood and a couple other things it was produced by andrew slater And this is where we can start talking about 
the big thing that Fiona did right, has done right through her entire career, and that is get just the most amazing fucking musicians on her mm-hmm. albums, including John. He was with her most of the time, particularly in her early career. He's incredible, plays everything, produces very well. The other big musician that she had, he's on this album, Mr. Matt Chamberlain, who, if you don't know who Matt Chamberlain is, he has been a one of the best studio session drummers of all time. He's played with Garbage, he's played with The Wallflowers, David Bowie, Elton John, just little people like that he's i would probably consider him the best session drummer of all time yeah so not a big deal title by fiona apple it's fine did you know that your friend matt played for saturday night live Mm -hmm. um he's done basically everything he's just not yeah keeping it busy title oh also side point of things to listen to there's this really horrible it was a cover and i can't even think of the name but it was shirley garbage shirley shirley manson and fiona apple singing and it was horrible like nobody could find a note and shirley was trying to harmonize and it was really bad was really 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 horrible and i think you should look it up i don't want uh you don't own me yes it was so bad well i'm not gonna listen to that you should listen to it no i don't want it to like shatter your hear her suck here's the thing (laughs) i was like it's because shirley's trying to harmonize and it sounds bad like if she wasn't there fiona would be great (laughs) (laughs) it's all her fault with yourself i like that that's what we've mostly talked about so far is title we won't go too far into it it's incredible it's incredibly well produced i do think that there are some parts of this album that do show her young Mm -hmm. age which is fine but at the end of the day you've got criminal you've got shadow boxer you've got sleep to dream you've got never is a promise on here i mean that's a fucking hell of a first album yeah what's your favorite song on title outside of my favorite song i just feel like you should also mention slow like honey that one needs a shout out because yep. the, the and sullen girl the piano and and the lyrics on slow like honey feel slow like honey amazing it's so good my best song on here was never as a promise really this is a good example of her playing with something that i love that she does is playing with the tempo it definitely has a much more it's a much more classic piano feel yeah and i think this is the first instance of her using the word undulate in a, in a song oh does she use that frequently <laughs> she has she uses it more than once because <laughs> i remember thinking like how does this child know the word undulate and then like an album or two later i was like oh there it is again that was actually the only song um one of the only instances on that album that i thought that the lyrics are a little young but the music is so fucking good and never is a promise that, but I mean, you say you'll understand, but you don't understand. I mean, that's not, that's good, but it's not fucking groundbreaking. It's not groundbreaking, but it is really good. Even though it's very simple. The piano is what makes that song. The, well, and the strings, the strings are oh, yeah. amazing in that song too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you imagine being that young and having those artists behind you? She was, no. It was, this was released just a little bit before she turned 18. So she's 17. Yeah. recording this album and having these musicians behind her. It's I mean, ridiculous. she's fabulous. But then having those on top of it's just a fabulous album. What was your favorite song? I don't think I want to say. What's your favorite song? Do you not want to pick or are you embarrassed? Oh, I'm not embarrassed. No, no, no. You don't want to pick. Um, but my favorite song on this album is Sleep to Dream. Oh, and that's it's no, a good one. I think Sleep to Dream is... Yeah, we'll talk more about that later. I have a These feeling. early albums, I really, really struggled picking my favorite song. There's barely songs that I skip over on these first three. That's why the next album, 1999's Win the Pawn, dot, 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 for best song, I put LOL. <laughs> because oh. you can't do it. You can't pick. I, I defy you to pick a best song on Win I the picked, Pawn. If you can, I kudos, you're, you're better than me. That's true. This was done through Epic Label this time. Right. And John. Johnny B. He, he produced the entire thing. I would say, and correct me if I'm wrong, but this is resoundly considered her masterpiece, right? This is her, her Mona Lisa. It's funny that you say that because in reading reviews of her albums, it is a rare occasion that somebody doesn't say, this is her best album That's very true. No, that's true. Because going in and, and looking at the albums coming up, there's at least one review where somebody's like, yep, this is one of the best albums ever made. Right. 
again, we've talked about how much time she takes between, there wasn't as much between this title and when the pawn as between the other albums, but mm -hmm. you can feel how not rushed this album is. What was the, it was Lizzo that we were talking about a while back that said she wrote 160 songs or something. They weren't that good. You know, they're not, they're not the most fabulous, beautifully written and performed songs. And then you have When the Pawn, which is 10-ish songs. It's, yeah. And they're the most beautiful songs you've ever heard in your life. This is real, actual, spectacular writing. This one is as close to perfect. I, yeah, I would be hard pressed to disagree with you. Once again, you have, and this album, Matt Chamberlain on the drums is just fucking unreal. I... You have yeah. songs like Fast, like the drums on Fast As You Can are mm -hmm. absurd. They are ridiculously perfect. Yeah. It's so hard to, uh, <clears throat> on the bound, to your love, limp, love ridden, paper bag, get gone, fast as you can. There is not a mediocre song on this album. Mm -hmm. As much as I'd like to say, no, this isn't the obvious best. It's not the obvious to me best Fiona Apple album, but... <sighs> It's just, I agree with what I think I've heard most in the past of Fiona is that this is kind of her masterpiece to me. Yeah. Like I said, this is as close to perfect as any of her albums gets for me. Music, yeah. lyrics, writing, it's all so good. Picking a favorite song on this was ridiculously hard. And then when I was making my, you know, top five songs of all time, almost his entire album was on the first list. Yeah. Because. Exactly. Because so good. I think I even kind of had to purposefully leave some off just to get a little bit of variety. Oh, sure. We get to 2005's Extraordinary Machines, mm -hmm. also off Epic. This time, there was a little bit of a problem with John's production, according to Fiona Apple. Right. This was the biggest problem, not problem. I really, really tried to figure out what the hell happened with Fiona and John's relationship or mm -hmm. what happened there that he ended up leaving or she ended up not wanting him to be a part of it. I couldn't find anything. Yeah, I don't know. So that's kind of a bummer. The only thing that I can think of is there was a lot of controversy before this album actually came out that some of it was released, right. leaked. Wondering if maybe she thought he did it. I don't know. So there was also a lot of, not controversy, but a lot of upset fans because of how yeah. much this album was delayed. Apparently mm -hmm. this album had been made for like years. Was it Sony? Where? Sorry, I'm so off on my notes. It was Epic, right? Yes. Epic wouldn't release the album. So they were leaked right. and then it got re-recorded. Apple re-recorded it. Yeah. But there's no, you can't get info on what happened. So if I were to guess, I would say Wasn't maybe- Wasn't it that she was just pissed that it got released, so she wanted it re-recorded or leaked, I guess? That could be it. I'm like, I'm not kidding. I couldn't find, I couldn't figure it out. But after that, John and her performed together. In an interview, he said she re-recorded yeah. a bunch of stuff, but whatever, that's her business. I remain a fan. I think she's great and she shouldn't have to meet too much resistance. Who knows? You guys, none of you know. If I don't know, you don't know. Fiona, John, if you could will send you let us, us know what DM, happened? That'd be great. Please. How about the personnel on this motherfucker? Not too bad, if I do say so myself. Once again, for the bootleg recording, not the commercial release, Matt Chamberlain's on it. For the commercial release, mm -hmm. Questlove, yeah. you've got Joe Manning Jr. doing keys. Mike Elizondo, she just keeps keeps getting really good people to play with her. Grow up. What's your favorite song on this album? Ooh, there's a handful. I put Not About Love. Okay. This album is incredibly impressive to me. I love the very first song. I love Extraordinary Machines. I love mm -hmm. what she does with it. She's trying new things and she reinvents herself with every single album. And I think this is one of the big proofs of that is going from Win the Pawn, which is a critical darling. Mm -hmm. And she goes to this, which is a little more poppy, but it's not pop. Yeah. She uses a lot more production. She uses a lot more drum programming. She uses a lot more digital bass, stuff like that. Songs like Timps. Mm -hmm. The feel of this album is just different. The feel of this album for me seems a little less, and I use this word super lightly because it's not the right word, is less angry. It seems more approachable compared to the other ones. And again, with Extraordinary Machine, I've 
compare this to like kind of has a Disney like feel to it. Happy sounding compared to every other song she'd ever put out. Yeah. And she does. She just seems like somebody that understands herself and her situations so well. She has songs like Get Him Back, which is it's almost it's not silly, but it's almost kind of it's a little bit self-deprecating kind of a I keep picking idiots yeah but then there's also a feel towards the end that she knows she's not really going to go get him back yeah and right after that you have oh sailor which is probably about one of those assholes yeah but like you said it's not it's not an angry song no just an acceptance of the situation Mm -hmm. i feel like this is kind of the first at least in in my time of of listening to music where it's really songs were written very situationally like my friend taylor who writes about every relationship that she has this was the same thing in a more honest way but written better if that makes that makes sense right yes like it's just (laughs) well yeah (laughs) yeah more honest and better than taylor swift yes yes no offense and she was talking about how she wanted to be liked and she felt like being her most honest self was a way to be accepted damned if she didn't capture her most honest self realizing what her songs are actually about from what she has said i don't know if it's actually true but a lot of the songs that read as love stories or that sort of thing are actually about her fame they're actually about her relationship with her fans and her writing and her struggles with fame i do think a lot of these that read as broken relationships are actually about her trying to deal with being the type of musician that two people are going to talk about on a podcast for two hours. I think we'll finish in two hours. We'll finish in two hours. We've got this. That takes us to 2012's The Idler Wheel. Mm -hmm. This would be before studying for this, also on Epic, produced by Fiona herself with Charlie Drayton in Cali and New York City. This would have been the album I was least familiar with up until studying for this. It was the same for the last two. I think I'd really casually listened to them. Charlie Drayton, who's amazing. I don't know if he's most known for drums, but he's recorded and performed with insane amounts of insane people. And I mean, we're talking like Shaka Khan and Miles Davis type of people. Mm -hmm. Insane, insane stuff. I just saw that her mom. What? High Harmony on Hot Knife. But this album is mostly Fiona and Charlie just doing their own thing. Maude is not her mom. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, Maude's her sister. Her sister. Right? Sorry. That would make sense because she's 47. Wait, are they even related? They're half. Okay. So her sister is on it. Okay. Well, that's also cool. Yes. Yeah. This is a 42 minute, yet another, just completely different feel. She's starting to get into this. When we did the Beatles episodes. And in the beginning, we're talking about like skiffle bands and how they're just coming up with random shit right. to make music with. This is when Fiona kind of starts doing this mm-hmm. and they're playing everything. They're playing truck stomping. Fiona Apple is credited for truck stomping. They're talking about how they would get like piles of gravel and put boots down on them. And that's actually like part of the percussion for some of the yeah just crazy, insane shit. Yeah. So you haven't talked about this album yet. Do you like it? I do. I definitely, again, with these last two albums, I need a couple more months with them. When it is artful, I can't just give it a listen. And then if it's like just a pop banger, you know, whatever's on the radio kind of stuff, I feel like I can kind of get a grasp around it after a listen or two. This is not one of those. Well, I guess we know who the bigger fan is then. David smiles largely. (laughs) There's something that is relentlessly... It's funny because we talked about how mature she was for such a young age, Mm -hmm. but you can really start to feel her growing, particularly to me in this album. Go on. I think she hit another level of maturity. I think her writing is a lot more, it seems to be a lot of the same messages. Mm -hmm. It's even more self-aware than Extraordinary Machines was. For me, and I think this is a fantastic album, but for me, this is a little more of a transitional album yeah but i guess we'll have to touch on it more when you're more comfortable with it um do you have did you have a favorite song on it i liked hot knife i watched the video actually first because i heard saw that there was a video so i watched the video of it and i was like this is confusing and this is chaos and it was the more that i listened to it the more i was like this is actually genius a lot of this album has what i like to refer to as the chaos piano because there's a lot of songs where it sounds like there's so much going on that it sounds like the waiting room of hell. It's pretty, but there's 
there's worse things behind that door is kind of what I what I'm getting at. There's a lot of her working through things in these lyrics, and I feel like that that works. It pairs really well because your brain is trying to work through the music and what's going on because there's so much going on at one time. Very, very true. I do think it's brilliantly sporadic. It is chaotic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's also fairly musically spacey. Who's the chick that says, throw all your stuff away? And then she sold everybody. Marie Kondo. Yes. She did a little bit of Marie Kondoing her music. Which is funny because Marie Kondo is changed her tune. She's like, my house is messy and I don't care. This is where I'm at in life. Well, now she sells organizational stuff, right? Real sneaky, that Marie Kondo. (laughs) Um, Every single night is incredible song. The very first song on this. It's really fucking good. The lyrics where she says, when the pain comes in like a second skeleton trying to fit beneath the skin, I can't fit the feelings in. The imagery that creates is just... Not bad. It's not bad. It's amazing. Your brain couldn't put that together. It's beautiful. It's incredibly beautiful. And I think that is a good segue into 2020's Fetch the Bolt Cutters because I think this might be top five lyrical albums I've ever heard. Interesting. The lyrics in Fetch the Bolt Cutters. So Fetch the Bolt Cutters, most recent album, also by Epic, came out in 2020. A couple more producers, which is funny because this is the epitome of a COVID album. But it was written before COVID. Yeah, but all the songs are done like in production. It actually says Fiona's Yeah, no, it was her house in California. Mm -hmm. They just recorded all but just a handful of songs they recorded inside the house. I've been off and on with this album since it came out. Not off and on as in liking it, not liking it, but choosing to listen to it, not listening to it. It's so good. It's so fucking good. Once again, just like Idler Wheel, there are a lot of differentiating. There's the Wurlitzer on this. There's she, <laughs> one of the things is called a harp thing. Yes, the harp thing. Sebastian Steinberg is credited for stomps and breathing. There's chair. There's chair. <laughs> the very first song, I Want You to Love Me, starts with this old 80s Casio sound. It sounds yeah. like a song that like Gene from Bob's Burgers would be writing <laughs> on his little keyboard. Yeah. And then it breaks into just this incredibly complex, brilliant fucking piano. What did you think about this album as somebody that... So were you fairly unfamiliar with it? I was very unfamiliar with it. This album, again, I need so much more time. It's interesting that you say that about the lyrics because they didn't... I don't want to be insulting. They didn't super stand out to me because I was so distracted by all of the sounds that were happening. There was a barking dog, which did not get credited, by the way. Margo was very excited about the barking dog every time the dog Yes, Zanino was too. There's her lovely little dolphin thing that she does at the end of the first song. Whatever the fuck she's doing there. I don't know. I spread like strawberries. I climb like peas and beans. Who the fuck would think to write that? Yeah. She's so fucking... The whole lady's song... Where she's going through the whole thing about the dress. Yeah. The dress in the closet. Don't get rid of it. You'd look good in it. I didn't fit in it. It was never mine. It belonged to the ex-wife of another ex of mine. She left it behind with a note one line. It said, I don't know if I'm coming across, but I'm really trying. She was very kind. That is a song about a woman finding a dress in a dude's apartment. And I love it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any fucking, it's so fucking brilliant. Yeah. I can't relate to it at all. <laughs> and I think it's just a brilliant line. Yeah. Her lyrics in this album, that's what I'm wanting to get across is that, my God, she's just fucking brilliant. Yeah. What's your favorite song on it? Under the Table is what I had said. I liked the organ on it. I liked the yeah. very classic slow fast, slow fast with her rhythm. I don't know if it's actually my favorite song. It's just what I picked. I need, I need more time. Yes. What's your favorite song? This is the first album where she seems, there actually seems to be a little bit of resolution in her. She actually sounds kind of happy. Like she's come to terms with things that she's been trying to come to terms with for the last fucking five albums. Yeah. I think that there's also the fact that it might feel that I'm just slightly devil's advocating because this was probably the most comfortable for her to record. 
She was in her house. She was doing it all on her own time. And it sounded like a good old time. There was a a quote that I had found. She said it took a hot minute to record because they all kept getting distracted by mushrooms and films. Yeah, I can see that. Doing drugs and watching movies. And they're like, oh, yeah, we're supposed to be working. We'll get back to that. (laughs) Let's get into the last things that we have to get into here. Oh, by the way, the two vinyls that I have behind me that you listening can't see right now are Fetch the Bolt Cutters and Extraordinary Machines. These are both fantastic vinyls. They sound fucking amazing. I would recommend buying the 180 grams of either of those albums. Unfortunately, they're the only Fiona vinyls that I own because the other ones are hard to find and really expensive. But uh, yeah, I love the Extraordinary Machines machines album cover Mm -hmm. my favorite was the idler wheel i just thought that's so idler wheel that is a very that's actually a very cool album cover yeah okay here's a question Mm -hmm. do you think that there is a bit of her that's a you had to be there my daughter for example not really into fetch the bolt cutters right she wasn't she didn't love it do you think that as she gets older she will be able to appreciate fiona as much as we do no I think it's just as much as how we could never understand Joni Mitchell in her time. We didn't live through those years with her. Again, we're just a couple years younger than Fiona Apple. And so understanding somebody near our age writing this beautiful music and performing and and just being so, so talented. Bringing up Joni Mitchell is a wonderful example because I automatically just consider Fiona way above Joni Mitchell. And that's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. They should at least be even. Yeah. And that's because I didn't grow up with Joni Mitchell. Rachel, I have a question for you. Go on. What's your least favorite Fiona Apple album? Fetch the Bolt Cutters. I think that I, again, I don't know it as well as I know the other ones. And so that's just what I put. Least favorite is Fetch the Bolt Cutters. That's my least favorite. What did you put? You are not going to believe this. My least favorite, and once again, this just speaks to how much I love all these albums. My least favorite Fiona Apple album is Tidal. Oh, I had a feeling you were going to say Tidal. It's the only album that I do think there are a few songs that I'm like, ah. That's fair. Did Yeah, maybe a couple more years and you'll be there. Did you but. say if you own this album when it came out-ish? Oh, yeah, yeah, yes. You did? Yes. I've owned all Fiona. But when yeah. they came out? I loved Yes. You were living. Okay. That's fair. Okay. You can say that it's... Title and Win the Pond were must purchases for me. Yeah. There's a couple songs, particularly towards the end, that I'm not in love with. That's fine. What's next? Idler Wheel. I I think that's pretty obvious at this point. That's my fourth favorite. Okay. So I agree. Now we're at the top three Fiona albums. What's number three for you? Going to be the same as mine. Title. Oh, really? It's not the same. Wow. It's Title. This is where we met. This is not where I fell in love. Mm. That's why it is is three. I feel like there's another album that is written better, more bangers maybe for In My Head. My number three is Extraordinary Machines. What the hell is happening? (laughs) Right? (sighs) I knew I was going to surprise at least one or two people. But yeah, I love this album. It's incredible. But there are two albums that I think are even more incredible. You're wrong. So it sounds like we both have the same number one, right? We better. (laughs) Maybe, maybe not. So that makes your second favorite album of Fiona Apple's Extraordinary Machines. Correct. And we are going to talk about that on a YouTube that uh, is actually coming out, that came out? I think came out three days before this. Our Friday YouTube before this releases is going to be the Fiona Apple one oh, that we recorded. Oh, did you plan that? Ish. <clears throat> like a week ago. <laughs> My second favorite Fiona Apple album is Fetch the Bolt Cutters. You need to spend more time with that album. It is brilliant. It is lyrically brilliant. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, for a song like Ladies, which is very clearly for women. For ladies. And for me to love it as much as I do, it speaks to how I just think this album is amazing. I really do think that she and Fetch the Bolt Cutters have hit an insane level that I can't figure out. Okay. Which makes both of our number ones, though, one of the greatest albums I will have ever heard in my life. Production is perfect. The musicianship is amazing. I could go through every single song and talk about every single instrument and then her writing. But Win the Pawn is both of our favorite Fiona. Correct. Now for the hard question of the night. That's what she said. It's hard. Sorry. No. I couldn't do five. I had to do six. David, James. Let's have a, do you have a top six? Can we do six? (laughs) I had a top 20. I did what I was supposed to do. Okay. 
fine. I won't say that Extraordinary Machines is my sixth favorite Fiona Apple song of all time. Because that would be cheating. You can check out our YouTube about this <laughs> album that we have out now. I might have said Oh Sailor at that point in time, which just goes to show you how much it changes every so, fucking week what the favorite. I went on my old notes to see what I had said, but I had a different outline right next to Oh Sailor. I had written... This is David's favorite song. It's a good song. It's a good song. Sometimes I might imagine that she wrote it about me, but (laughs) that's also ridiculous because like I would ever leave Fiona Apple. Come on. You just said she was crazy a couple hours ago. That's the thing. You really have to sit down and think, would the insanity be worth it? Because somebody like that, that has got to be so, it'd be fun and amazing because of all the passion, but it'd be a fucking nightmare because of all the passion. Crazy chicks and though. And the Coke. What's your fifth favorite Fiona Apple song? Never is a promise. That's really good. That is a good one. Like I said before, they maybe could all be on Win the Pond. I only did two from Win the Pond. The first one is The Way Things Are. Oh, okay. That fucking slide guitar playing through that is just so amazing. The piano breakdown that she does as the bridge. Mm-hmm. What's your fourth? My, I'll do mine. My fourth favorite Fiona Apple song is Ladies. Off of Fetch the you Bolt You love Ladies. The lyrics to that are just mind-blowing. Yeah. So brilliant. Fiona Apple knows what she's doing. Rachel, what's your fourth favorite? Sleep to Dream. Yeah. I liked this That's... one. It felt like it was a first or second take. It didn't feel perfect, and they left it a little dirty, and I really, really could feel the passion in that one. Which I like that, yeah. Yeah, Even with great. the drums doing the little like rim hit, Mm-hmm. It sounds different every single time. I don't know if that's on purpose or if it's yeah. a sloppiness. But it's slop is good. Amazing. I like it sloppy. I, I, Rachel, what's your third <laughs> favorite song of Fiona Apple's ever of all time ever? Ever mm-hmm. love ridden. This one was definitely a breakup song that I played repeatedly for years. For years. For years. Jeez. Different boys got to hear oh, uh, the song ap- applied to all multiple. The, all the boys got used for the same song. I think that sounds yep. more Sorry, like guys. a personal problem, Rachel. All the boys. There were like two. Calm down. Look inward. <laughs> That's a fantastic song. The focus I gave to my birthday candles. I don't know about that line. No, I love that line. Are you kidding? Are you being you funny? focus on your birthday candles? You're making a wish. But does anybody really, oh, what's my wish? Sometimes, if you believe in that, then yes. That line's beautiful. You're wrong. No, the the nobody sees when you're lying in the bed and I want to crawl in with you, but I cry instead. I want the warmth, but it'll only mm-hmm. make me colder when it's over. Yeah. Fast As You Can is my third favorite Fiona song. Ooh, That's, that one was definitely on the top 20 list. Musically it's perfection yeah. the bass and the drums are just unreal her vocals are just murdering that entire song every single line she does is incredible mm-hmm. what can you say about fast as you can that i didn't just say my second favorite is i want you to love me the first song off of fetch the bolt cutters the piano okay. to that is brilliant she does the fiona thing where she zigs when you think she's gonna zag and suddenly she changes some b flat major chord it doesn't make any sense and it's just beautiful that song's insane rachel what's your second favorite fiona song of all time my second favorite fiona song of all time is i know wow that's your second this one favorite just feels one. jazz clubby smoky mm-hmm. oh, it's so pretty now that i'm looking at my list they're all like yeah you're angry sappy, boy songs <laughs> i'm so sad about the boys person this is well that's where i was at my life you should try out taylor swift you'll really like her I think. <laughs> she sings a lot about how much she hates the boys she dates what's your favorite fiona apple song of all time this is a song i don't think we've even talked about hmm. paper bag no although that was on the top 20 list as well um it is limp that is a fantastic song it is the imagery in this song and the anger that she's feeling yeah. is communicated so well. And the freaking instrument, the drums in this, holy yeah, shit. Yeah, the, the drums, drums are low. insane in this. But yeah. yeah, no matter what I try, you'll beat me with your bitter lies. Yeah, it's fucking incredible. And that part, so call me crazy, hold me down, make me cry, get off now, baby. Like it's just this fast like my favorite fiona song of all time it's easy i don't care it's why i fell in love with her in the first place it's sleep to dream it's oh 
yeah. It's just the perfect song. Just made me fall in love with her. It's never changed. Last thing that we have to do, find a way to rank this artist. Do you think she's in your top 10 artists of all time? Do you think that she's in like your Mount Rushmore? Yeah. If you had to rank her, how would you rank her? She hits all of the points of what a band or a person needs to be on the Mount Rushmore. She's got the lyrics, the vocal talent, the musical talent. She's got the band behind her. There's nothing wrong with her at all. Let me ask you this. <laughs> she is perfect. Yes. You have to pick one to be I don't on the pick. Mount Rushmore. I don't want to pick. Amy Winehouse or Fiona Apple? I don't want to pick. Who's on there first, Fiona or Amy? Fiona is on there, if I had to choose. That's because the right it's, answer. Because she's more well-rounded. She's just too brilliant. She God. She's on my Mount Rushmore of best artists. As an artist, yes. I thought about this hard. There are maybe like two artists that I put ahead of her. She's on there. Are they? I don't think I should say. You can tell me. I don't know. David. I mean, you've got like Beck. I can't. Beck's kind of my golden god. You love Beck. I, yes. I need to listen to some more Beck to understand you. The two albums you need to listen to because they are just polar opposites are sex laws and then uh, mutations. You will understand what it is about Beck. She's on my Mount Rushmore of best artists of all time. Everything she's done is incredible. I love her. She's brilliant. That's Fiona Apple. Drink every time we say love or brilliant. (laughs) Do you feel good about our coverage of Fiona? I just want to talk more forever, though. I'm sure that we will dissect Win the Pawn. That's going to be a DLS 10 out of 10. Oh, my God. We will talk about Fetch the Bolt Cutters. Now I'm kind of going to make it my mission because you need you need to get more into yeah. the album. Versecoursefirst.com at Pod. This was very fun. I am not drunk, so that's sad. Aww. But that's okay. It's Sunday. Join us next week. I get to gush over things again. Evil and I are talking about a couple albums from a favorite band who my favorite current guitarist is in that band that'll be next week rachel hey thanks for joining me on this lovely sunday no problem talking about this awesome lady she's so great she really is uh good night good luck oh, I, oh, I.